Welcome to Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. The crew are super pumped. The Villains are just on a golden, golden run. Cannot remember a time like this in many, many years as a villain. And we just have to embrace it. So we'll talk about the form victory and look forward to the game against Man United. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Which has gone way beyond all the expectations. Fulham with the first attack. Here's Harrison Reed with the ball across. And it's a good effort too, and it was a whisker wide. Goodness me. Andres Pereira. Great attempts. And almost a wonderful start for Fulham. Well, it's an electric start. They get down that right hand side. It's a good ball in slightly behind Pereira. Every Fulham player back in their own box defending this. Swung in again by McGinn and flicked on! And there is the opening goal from Tyro Mings for Aston Villa! Well, the goal had been coming. Tyro Mings' first goal of the campaign. And Villa's push for Europe continues. It's certainly no less than Aston Villa deserved. Yes, of course. <laughs> Very happy and uh, because uh, we are trying after we lost two matches here against Arsenal, against Leicester, we scored a series out of course. And then we are playing the five match after those match and we are winning and we are trying to to keep being consistent each match, clean sheet, uh, trying to control of the game like we want and uh, here without support the time to be strong and we are doing it and really in the table was very important today to try to to get uh, Europa position more clear in this moment, but still being very difficult to, to get them at the end of the season. But uh, now Fulham, they are behind us, and it was very important the duel with them, trying as well to be to be in front of them for uh, the next, the next uh, matches, and, and uh, it's uh, still less matches to, to finish the, the season, and I think it's very important. Just the one goal in it, did you always feel in control of the game? Because Fulham seemed to make some headway in the second half. Yes, in different ways. The first half, I think, uh, we control uh, of the game was more with good positioning and, and in attacking, uh, trying to keep ball position longer and longer, and trying to stop the transition, trying as well to get the balls, trying to get uh, chances, and we, we had two or three good chances to score, and we did one with uh, a corner. And second half was different. They started doing more high pressing, and we we were a little bit tired, I think. Some were playing a little bit tired after after the match we played on Saturday, and uh, at the end we were defending more, but as well we were brilliant defending as a team and being strong, and and uh, we we stopped then and we didn't consider chances to get our balls. And today Emiliano Martinez uh, he didn't need save us with one good good action. Welcome to Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. It's Paul and Tess tonight. How are we, bud? Doing really good, thanks. Yeah, life's treating you okay. Oh, I tell you, not only life, but Aston Villa are treating me really good at the moment too. Yeah, the, the sun shines a little bit brighter. The uh, the water tastes a little bit clearer. It's all it's all good. So let's just get into some facts, mate. And we posted them up on Twitter and, and so forth. But we're looking at the first uh, manager to take over a Premier League club and score in 20 consecutive games. We've won eight out of our past 10. We've scored 18. Um, we've conceded three. Um, we are right up the top end of the ladder now. It, mm. it, it, it felt like I've said it before, Tess. It felt like a horse race. If you ever punt on a horse, and it's, it becomes a two-horse race, and sometimes your horse just has to get its head in front, and once it does, it's over. And you know, 
that was us with Chelsea. Oh, I wish you could just repeat that because I'm happy for all these stats to be repeated to me constantly throughout um, this week, especially all the way up until Sunday. It's phenomenal what we're doing at the moment. It's phenomenal what um, the manager's been able to get out of this, these players who have been there for some time, you know, who probably at the beginning of this season, I felt like some of them were waste, if you like. <laughs> for lack of a better word, I thought that there was a few players that really needed to be replaced and refreshed. Um, but it goes to show what you can do when you're actually coached, you know, um, by a proper manager. Yeah, yeah. and it's, you know, it, it, we, we've seen it with some uh, unheralded managers. And I'm still finding it hard to believe, Tess, that people are saying stuff like, Unai failed at Arsenal. When we've said so often, that season, he's still got 70-odd points. Um, he wasn't in a rebuild. It wasn't a project at that point that he could do what he wanted. My God, I'd love to fail with 73 points in a season. Oh, I mean, when was the last time we got 73 points in a season? I don't think that's happened since, well, is that the year that we almost like got close to the Premier League title when it first came <laughs> what, about? What, 1992 or three? Yeah. yeah um, something like that. I don't know if that's a fact, but you know, that's, the last time I'm seeing Villa up in that high echelon of the Premier League, you know, um, Martin O'Neill, I don't know how many points we would have been getting around to be around the sixth place for three seasons in a row. So somebody can fact check to us and yeah, we'll, give we'll us that info. I mean, I loved, I loved the Martin O'Neill years. I really enjoyed it. And um, there's a few other managers that had their moments, uh, you know, John Gregory. Gregory and guys like that. Yeah. They, they had their moments with us and there was a real connection and obviously with Dean Smith and what he did to get us back out of the championship and so forth. But mm. I, I can't remember in my lifetime, and I'm coming up to 50 tests, I can't remember ever being so absolutely enamoured with a manager. Like, we've put a, a minute of his interview up. And, you know, I, I'm sick of people talking about how he talks. Because how many languages can you speak? Exactly. I, I, I can speak a tiny bit of French and a tiny bit of Spanish, a tiny bit, but he is—he can speak multiple languages, and we're picking on him. Get oh my goodness! And fluently, he speaks those languages fluently as well. Um, I think he speaks German also because yep. um, I think he was having the chat with Thomas Frank as well, or something. But you know, I can I can have very minimal conversations in French, Spanish, um, and Italian. Very very basic conversations, you know. Um, and when I say conversations, I mean like the niceties. Hello, how are Trans- you? Transactional, that, transactional, transactional sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So when you have so many languages, um, I think it's a little bit disrespectful, especially as you know he has a he has somebody who's next to him doing the translations. If the question or the accent might be a little bit strong, but then he doesn't reply in Spanish. He replies in English, and I understand every word that he's saying pretty much. And if you oh, put it yeah. into context, it's pretty easy. So. I don't go for that. But also, um, just back to the point that you made um, when he was at Arsenal. I mean, that Arsenal supporters at that time were sport for choice because they had Arsene Wenger for such a long time and had so much successes under Arsene Wenger. Yes. I mean, it got sour towards the end. But it's extremely difficult for somebody to come in and replace someone like Arsene Wenger who'd been there, who'd been there for, what, 14 maybe years or whatever it was, yeah. um, and, and make an immediate change. You know, it was really difficult. And he wasn't able to do that. So, but given time, um, I would imagine that he would have been challenging for the Premier League every year if he had his way and been playing in Europe every season. He's now been 
back overseas to Spain, to uh, France and wherever not, and been successful in Europe. Yeah. He's worked with these players under a short amount of time and the table doesn't lie with all the work that he's done with the same players that were under Steven Gerrard, with the same players that were under Dean Smith as well. So I mean... to, get that, to get that to happen so quickly from the training, you know, to get it um, converted to the training pitch and then converted onto an actual, uh, you know, ground in the Premier League in such a short time. Oh, I can't wait for the next year or two to see where we progress because... I don't think the style of play we're seeing, and we'll come back to this at the moment, I don't think the style of play we're seeing will necessarily be what we'll see in the next few years. It's going to continue to evolve. Um, And yes, we're keeping the ball a lot, and then we go forward at pace when we choose. I don't necessarily think that'll be our modus operandi. I think he's got another couple of options that he's thinking of as well. Yeah, I think think the same, Paul. I think he's going to be... Looking in the summer, if he, if they haven't started, you know how meticulous he is already, you know, and we, we're seeing that he's very meticulous. We can see um, that this practice, 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 and I love it when he says it. He says we just go practice, we practice, you know, we get it right tactically, uh, defensively, and offensively. I'm starting to say this all the time in conversations at work as well. Now I'm so into it, <laughs> but, but I feel I feel like he's going to be making. Um, if you like, um, for the summer transfer window to try and ensure that he can bring players in that will suit the style of play that he wants to do uh, moving forward for next season. Also, part of that, though, is, you know, Paul, like at the moment, we have to mention it. We are um, contenders, um, you know, to to snag a European place. And that might make the whole transfer policy a little bit more different. Um, Look... It's highly likely we're going to finish top eight, very highly likely. And looking at all the permutations and so forth and and um, based on Manchester City and, and Man United being in an FA Cup final and so forth, uh, you're going to make Europa Conference more than likely if you finish seventh. And we're a good chance to do that. And and it's, I'm not saying that with overconfidence. I'm saying that we're a good chance. Um, I will take any European football. So um, we're a chance. So, you know, if we keep performing, you'd rather have points banked than trying to catch up on points all the time, especially mm. when you're playing game after game. Um, but look, mate, let's, um, I'm going to put you on notice before we ever look at some questions and we'll do a <laughs> tiny review, but I'm going to put you on notice here. Um, and this is one for myself as well. Oh, here we go. So... Mm. Am I going to get alarm bells and stuff? Do I need an alarm? No, no. Okay, cool. I was just trying to think (laughs) of how we we phrase this. Okay. Who is the one player and one player only who has benefited the most from uh, Unai coming into the team? Now, who has benefited the most? I want you to think of those words. Who's benefited the most? Mm. That's a really, really interesting question. Mm. Is that from a listener? No, that's from me. I was ah. I was going down a certain path and went, no, no, no. Let's not do who's the most improved. Who has benefited the most? Uh, it's a concept, it's a conceptual one, I suppose. That's a really tough one. Like um I'd I'd have to Who, go with probably Ollie Watkins. Okay. In terms benefited of benefited the most. Mm. 
Well, um, I suppose I suppose Ings went, and um, Watkins is our only absolute striker. So I he's the main guy. That. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about it, he was the he was before Ings came in. He was still the main striker, mm. and he would kind of get you double figures um, in every season so far. But the beginning of the season couldn't find the goal. Confidence was low. Yep. First touch was disgusting. I mean, like, it was really bad. Like, you'd watch Ollie Watkins and every time the ball came to him, his first touch was just way off all yep. the time for some yep. reason. Um, since Unai Emery's been there, he understands what his job is. I can't remember seeing these bad first touches anymore no. in the games. And when he does have those one touches, it normally looks like he's got his back to goal and he's heading the ball down for someone like Buendia, who's following up quite behind him so that he can turn and make a run. Mm. He's also scoring goals now and his confidence is through the roof. You know, um, you can see, uh, especially like the Fulham game um, and the game before who we played draw with who did we draw with just recently there oh um not wolves wolves was it yeah was it wolves yeah it wasn't wolves no Eh, let's go and have a look we are oh my god i've forgotten already we're on professional ties here today yeah oh I, i know everything um anyway he was Watkins has started to be a bit more selfish as the striker. Like, uh, if Brentford, he, Brentford. Brentford. If he gets the ball in a in a particular area, he's not scared anymore to still try and take on that man and have that shot. Um, and sometimes as a striker, you need to be kind of greedy. Um, and that all goes down to all of his confidence. So when I speak in this glowing term about Ollie Watkins, I feel like he's benefited a lot in terms of confidence, in terms of his output. Mm. Um, in terms of his actual team play, um, I feel like he's he's really benefited. And of course, there are other players too. But if you're asking me for one player and not sounding that alarm for me, Ollie Watkins. <laughs> I um I, I was just thinking about it then, and there was a couple of players. So you can alarm me here. I think in recent weeks, Sten Donker, because he wouldn't have even got a start in the team, and he actually looks like a footballer at the moment. But if I can only go one, it's actually Konza. Because Konza now, with the way we knock the ball around and everything like that, he's getting time on the ball that he's never had before. He's getting space. And I've just seen his confidence on the ball, not just defending. Because in recent weeks, mate, you and I and all of us have said, he people just can't get past him. You know, he's in the top mm. two or three, three point defenders. But he's now actually knocking the ball around. His passing looks better. Mm. And because we've actually always got an outlet, and it's almost like a basketball style of play where you've always got the outlet. Um, then Konza is now reaping the benefits and he just looks like he's enjoying his football. Uh, mm. So for me, the player who's benefited the most is Konza. I mean, he's got, he, he could trust the players that are in front of him now, you know. Yep. Um, there's, when you see uh, Don Donker over the last few games, for example, um, and Douglas Luiz, they come short for, for the centre-backs at the moment so that there's always a player nearby so they can play those triangles that they've been doing when they're playing out the back. That's yeah. what I'm saying, in my opinion. And so, of course, he's got a lot more confidence. He's taking his time to make sure he finds the right pass. I'm barely making any mistakes, Konza. Um, and that, and he's alongside Tyron Mings at the moment, who is also having a, a great season um, since since uh, the manager's come in. 
I think they're, I think they're good calls. And I think we could find if we had people on a live show right now, I think everyone would have a different opinion. Some people might think McGinn, which would be a good call as well. Um, but you it know, would be a very good call. For me, it's Conza and just the way he's, um, you know, he's getting that time on the ball. Um, mate, the Fawn game itself, it felt like a game we were just in complete control. Um, I know that there were moments in the second half and we weren't as fluid. But, geez, it's refreshing to be a team where I just can't even believe only a few months ago I went into games with trepidation. Now I'm going in with when is the goal going in? <laughs> not, not it will. It's like when. When will yeah. the goal go in? And uh, we didn't do a podcast last week because I was lucky enough to um, have my family um, with me and I got married last weekend. So yes, I'm so happy for you guys. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all the listeners, um, their kind words and everything as well. It was really lovely. And um, so we didn't have the podcast. And I'm sure, I'm sure I would have said that that goal came off Ming's. Um, there's no doubt in the world I would have probably said it came off the back of his neck. I've mm. tried to get Ming's in so many weeks, if you haven't noticed. Look, um, you're always saying he's going to score. Um, <laughs> first of all, you say it's what, he scored for us, and um, that was off his head and not off his left nut. And yes. Yes. Um, yeah, the back of the neck thing, or yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. I saw him. I think I was on offside. It was way offside, and they, he should never been put in that position in the first place. Like I'm, I get a little bit frustrated with that offside the side of all. But yeah, he came through for you. He scored a goal. It was just um. It... I just thought corner after corner, we looked so dangerous and I was just so happy for him. I was so happy for everyone. And the reactions of the um, players afterwards, the interviews, everyone's having so much fun. One player <laughs> gets interviewed and there's always three or four other players in the background and they're yeah. enjoying each other's success. It's a really big unit. It's a really strong unit at the moment though, Paul. I mean, you look at, the communications that are coming out, of, of course, there will be, um, you know, that media training part of it. But you look at those players and they, when they celebrate together, they are a genuine unit. Um, they believe in each other at the moment. They are playing together as a team. Happy days. And, and you know, I think the thing that people are forgetting and, and whilst Fulham have been in the doldrums in, in, in the last couple of months, they, they had a tremendous start to the season. Um, and they're still six points clear of Chelsea uh, in 10th. This was no push around. You know, they win that game. They're on 48 points. We're on 51. Mm. So, you know, we just keep beating the teams around us. And we said that in recent weeks. The challenge of, you know, playing the teams around us is what you want because you're getting points and you're taking points away. And, you know? and Fulham, Fulham would have come to Villa Park thinking, you know, they, they beat us last time, but... I think it was totally different circumstances when we lost at um, Craven Cottage. I mean, yeah. you know, the capitulation was just absolutely bizarre. Um, but they would have come to Villa Park knowing that how well our form has been unbeaten in nine games and they're going to be the 10th team to come and, and try to beat Villa. Haven't been beaten at Villa Park in, what, the last five home games or conceded a goal. Yeah. You know, so they knew and they would have had come with some sort of respect. But what we did is we, we made the um, attackers chase the ball. Um, our defence were passing it around from the back, making them chase the ball. And the passing in the first half looked so crisp, like strong passes, crisp, real good movement, um, fluid football. Fight. It was beautiful to watch at times. And, you know, there would be people saying that Fulham weren't at it. I feel that we kept them out of it in that first half. 
But then, you know, you go to the second half and of course they're going to go into the change room. Of course their manager's going to say to them, you can't perform like that. You've got to go out there and, and fight. You've got to try and get something out of, out of this game. And so, of course, they're going to come back out and um, put us under a bit of pressure. But that bit of pressure that they did put under us, and I felt like we managed it really, really well. I mean, they didn't even have a shot on target in that game. No. Uh, Not and, even one. And, and let's talk about the, the noise at Villa Park again at different times in that game. You know, the crowd, you know, Villa Park can get a little bit quiet at times, but it really seemed to pick up at certain times in the game. Um, so if I could just go to our... Um, we've played 17 games at home this year. Um, I, I had a look this morning and I went, I can't believe this. This is a really bloody brilliant season for our, um, our season ticket holders and so forth. 17 games we've played at home. Now, when was the last time you, you, you saw this? 10 wins, two draws, and only five losses at Villa Park all season. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't win a game prior before that, you know, at Villa Park. Oh. It was one of those tough ones where, you know, you go, and I feel sorry for the people that actually travel to Villa Park every every um, home game um, to just go there and just know that probably going to lose the game at home because we're not really good at home, you know. And for us, we're lucky because we're all the way in Australia. We, we can watch the game, and if it's just dire, we can switch it off if we want to and go to bed so, at 2 o'clock in the morning. So since Emery's come in, we, you know, because we weren't playing well and, and we were preferring away games almost. So since Emery's come in, I mean, that's not just because of Emery, but it's 10 wins out of 17, two draws, only the five losses, plus 10 goal difference at home. Villa Park's feeling like Villa Park again for the first time in decades. A fortress. And and feel it feels like the supporters are back, back, on, back on track as well. You know, the singing... Especially for a midweek game, you know, sometimes midweek games um, can be a little bit quiet in terms of support and noise and stuff. You know, the weekend, they're already up for it. But a lot of those people um, who went to see the game midweek have to go to work the following morning. So they don't want to have too many to drink and all this sort of stuff. But the noise was pretty good. Like, I'm, we're listening to it um, through um, our streaming service that we, we have here in Australia. And I could hear the Villa fans. They were, I didn't hear any of the Fulham fans at all. Well, we don't want to just back ourselves up with um, stats, right? We, we we say it all the time. We use the stats after we've talked about the game. But you're at 14 shots to one. One shot for a whole game. 90 minutes, one shot. Um, and this is real credit to our defence. We weren't caught offside. They were caught offside five times. Mm-hmm. That it, Just a completely different team. You know, we, we, we're getting more passes in our opposition. Even at home, we, we quite often had where we were getting out past at home so often. Um, just a marvellous... I mean, yes, it's not a classic game. It's not one you're going to go back and watch, but just it's what good teams do. It really is what good teams do. I think it's one of the first things that I started to see under Emery with our defenders really playing that offside trap. Yeah. And, they, and they're good at it now. I mean, they are good at it and they celebrate. Like, I'd like to know how many offsides teams are getting against us in the game because they seem to be really, really good at it. There's once or twice where, you know, they've been caught, but because they've done so well at defence, they're able to catch up and and get back amongst the play once, uh, you know, an offside trap's been defeated. They're able to get back and still do that defending. It's been showing, but it's really great to see. Well, I had a look at this as well, right? And and this says a little bit about um, what we're trying to do. Now, this might look good, um, 
uh, Fulham had six interceptions of, of passes that we tried to get through in the in the box, and they blocked seven shots. So that's great, but it really shows what we're the pressure we're putting teams under. Um, and the substitutions were fabulously timed. The players that came off, I thought it was the right choice. Mm. Uh, I'm just yeah, super excited about the, the way the way it's going, mate. So I know. Big shout out to um, Callum Chambers, though. Like, yeah. you know, recently he's been coming on as a sub um, yeah. for Ashley Young, and in my opinion, I felt like he's come on and done a really good job and not looked out of place at all. So big shout out to Callum Chambers because I've been really impressed with his. Um, with his cameos that he's been coming on and helping the team. Yeah, I think I think spot on. Uh, everyone keeps saying how thin our squad is, um, and it is thin, but it's giving opportunities um, for players who are even coming off the bench to get a bit of consistency as well. So, mm. um, you know, Kamara, look, on ice for the season. Just, just don't even blame, I reckon. This is just me. Um, I think Jed Steer's been a massive... Uh, no one's talked about it. I think he would have been a really good backup. Uh, but an Achilles tendon is is really bad. Uh, Bailey's expected back in the next week or two. So is Cash um, and Coutinho as well. So we've got some troops coming back. And my goodness, don't we need them? Uh, we do for the squad. Um, and because these players have been playing week in, week out, you know, um, they must be shattered. They must be absolutely shattered because they're playing week in, week out. And... I, I guess that running on that adrenaline, they're winning games all the time. So, you know, they're not feeling that tired. But I, th- I felt like in the last couple of games, you could see there's kind of been a, a slight drop-off in, especially after Newcastle, slight drop-off in the kind of tempo that we're playing. We're trying to be a bit more clever about the way we do our running and, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. they must be they must be really, really tired. I hope they get a really good rest ready. Well, they will have a better rest than what um, the next opponents have, Man United, on Sunday. So... Um, but we do need some of those players back to come and help. Um, one thing I was thinking about, right? Just, but just imagine when we do get those players back. How do you take John McGinn away from where he's playing at the moment? I don't think you do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think I, you do. You, I feel, you don't look. Your grandma gives you a good recipe. You stick with it. Yeah. You know, like I'm I, not going to go and add extra spices in. Grandma didn't do it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, we could do with the help with. The way we're currently playing, you know, when Dia gets tired or whatever, I can see that Coutinho could come on because the way that we're playing would actually give Coutinho the time that he needs in order to to make a difference, I think. You know, he needs a bit of time, a bit of space. He needs to be able to move into these spaces. When we were playing that sort of rush style before and just relying on him only to create that piece of magic with um, exclamation marks, I think the way that we currently play will allow him to orchestrate a little bit more like what Buendia does and, and make and create stuff for, yeah. for well, Ollie. Can I, we don't like doing this too much in a pod, but I, I want to come on to a couple of negatives yeah, if okay. possible. Um, now I know it might just be a little bit of a one-off, but I've noticed in the past couple of games and it was really obvious to me, I thought uh, Buendia was a bit quite, a little bit over the top vocal with a couple of the players in the team, especially Ollie Watkins, who I thought did run to the right areas on a few occasions. And he was really gesticulating with um, Ramsey, with um, Watkins in particular. And I just thought it was a little bit, I don't know, and, and, and getting a bit stuck into the refs when it didn't need to be done. And 
I don't. I haven't like. I just haven't liked seeing that side of Blundia in the past couple of weeks. I might be over the top, but if you go back and have a look, he really got stuck into some of our players. I uh, I feel there's a sense of frustration, a, yeah. a little bit for him because he's not. Look, I think other teams are starting to see that he can be really dangerous for us. You know, those for the last God knows how many games he's been putting things on a plate for Ollie Watkins and sometimes not being taken because his assists aren't showing for it, obviously. Um, but I feel there's a little bit of frustration mm. that he's not getting to, you know, teams are marking him. Yeah. They're, tr- they're trying to frustrate him. They're kicking him and all these sorts of things. And there aren't, you know, Ramsey's been doing a different type of job in the last couple of games. He hasn't been really as effective as I thought he would be against the tip, like sort of... Um, Brentford and against Fulham, um, but I feel there's a little bit of frustration there, taking out a little bit on the on on his teammates. He's always been vocal against referees and stuff, but there was a time earlier on in the season where Emery did actually say, "Look, I've told him that he needs to calm down and and manage these situations a little bit better." Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I don't think he's had the best couple of games, but I still think he's 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 putting all the effort in. And oh yeah, I got no no problem with the football. I just thought, you know, and and I thought Watkins was really the the way Watkins shrugged it off was pretty cool as well. Yeah, like he, he kind of did. Um, the second one, and this is this is causing a lot of angst, and I think it's just really bad timing, really poor timing when we're on a golden wave. The prices for the season tickets on a whole, have gone up uh, exponentially. They've gone up amazing, uh, like just beyond what I would expect, mm. even taking in the the pound compared to the Australian dollar. We're looking at 20 and 30% um, season ticket price hikes for next season. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've read much about that, but I'm, literally I, insane. I think it's frustrating for the supporters um, who actually can go to uh, Villa Park week in, week out, and do purchase their season ticket. It's absolutely frustrating. Um, it's not a small increase, mate. It's it's, it's a big, it's a massive increase. And what it does mean is that for some supporters, they may not be able to afford it. Especially like in the UK at the moment, like the cost of living is 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 pretty high. Hey, it's pretty uh, bad here, but <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. It's it's pretty bad here. But I feel like in the UK, it hits people harder. It hits. Yeah normal working class people harder um especially when you're in you know in concrete jungles you know like um around villa park that you don't really have people don't have lots of spaces like we do to go no, and no. do other things you know um it, it, that's it's a good call mate i don't want to make people jealous here we live in we live in uh queensland if you haven't been any of our overseas listeners you haven't been to queensland yeah I, I live half an hour from the beach in a couple of different directions, and that's miles away for me. I'm normally five or ten minutes away. Mm. But I literally have um, waterfalls. I have creeks and rivers right near my house. Like I could go swimming um, tomorrow afternoon in a beautiful waterhole. And so I hear what you're saying, definitely. Because, like, and, you know, I'm from England, so I have a perspective of what it means if you're sort of like just working class and you have to pay to do everything. You know, you want to take your kids swimming, you have to pay. Yeah. To and anything, you know, there's, the cost of living is pretty high. I won't go to, into the politics of it all, but 
for some people it's going to be really hard and it means for some people they're not going to be able to uh, renew their season tickets. Do you think uh, that's a deliberate ploy? Um, I haven't read a lot about it. Do you think it could be a deliberate ploy knowing that we've got 30,000 people on a waiting list? Do you think it could be a ploy to say, well, you know, we love you, but hey, if you're not going to pay this amount, someone else will? I'm and currently 23,800 and something. Okay. Um, so I was going to buy the season tickets so that when I travel to UK, I can go and watch the games, um, but also share it with my brother, um, who would drive up every week if he could to go and watch it. And again, my brother probably isn't going to be able to, to pay the kind of money. Shout out to your brother. What's your brother's name, Tess? Ezra. 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 Oh my God. That was a really good band. Um, better than Ezra. There we go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's not probably not going to be able to spend that type of money to get a season ticket. But if the opportunity came for me, I could, yeah. um, and I will if if that happens in the next God knows how long. I mean, isn't there the, the I heard somebody else talk about it, and I think it was if you don't mind me mentioning it was from the um, my old man said um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. podcast. They were talking about um, how there's a the way that they've done. The release of this information um but people will have the fear of missing out um on keeping their season tickets if you don't renew at this cost then you're going to lose your season ticket you're going to go to the back of the queue and then you might have to wait another three four years so that you can get your season ticket you know all these sorts of things so um while i but while i understand um the frustration i think it's the amount is terrible in terms of the 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 fifteen percent increase. Um, however, I do feel like there are going to be this all over the shop yep. for from for many people anyway. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I I'm not in that position at the moment. Um, I feel like the club's going to progress. Things are going to get more expensive. Of course they are, but I think just to kind of hit people with this. You know, what is an extra two hundred quid or three hundred pounds or something um, a season? <laughs> I mean, that hurts, especially when like the cost of electricity and gas are so expensive in the UK at the moment, and um, partly due to that Brexit stuff. But I said I wouldn't be politics. Um, um, but you know, um, yeah. So really tough one. I can't pretend to understand how those individuals that do go every week, support the club, spend their money, are feeling. Um, I just think it's a little bit expensive, um, but it's something I was expecting to happen. Not at that rate, though. Well, we we had a question asked, um, and, and, and it was about, you know, ticket prices in Australia, and it's a completely different um, a lot of our grounds are shared, just for listeners in England. So, for example, um, in Melbourne, um, for the uh, the AFL, um, teams like mine that have had 100,000 members, Richmond, um, share the MCG, normally has a capacity 90 to 100,000, mm-hmm. um, and they average about 60,000 a game. Um, so you don't have that fear of missing out. Um, they share that ground with Melbourne and a few other, Collingwood and a few other clubs. Mm. So it's a very different... Um, in, in Traditionally, in the 60s, 70s and 80s in Australia, we did have our, our own grounds. Um, and then we rationalised. So a lot of the Melbourne clubs shared two or three grounds, um, and and that's what happened there. So, you know, I mean, there's a difference as well. Also, you know, like you've got um, all these like MCG and stuff. But if you wanted to go and watch uh, your 
let's just say wants to go and watch Brisbane Raw. Yep. You're you're likely to be able to walk or not walk, but you know what I mean. Turn up at the stadium and be able to buy a ticket and watch the game. Hundred percent. If it's at Whereas Suncorp you... and there's fifty thousand, they're only getting ten or so thousand now. You are never going to have that issue where you cannot do that in the EPL. Yeah. So um, try to turn what... up to Villa Park. Yeah. Just say, oh, do you know what? It's against Fulham. I might be able to get a ticket. No chance. No. No. You're not going to get a ticket unless someone's like trying to get a couple of hundred quid off you. So it's a different, you know, it's it's really hard. And and I think we'll see more rationalisation of grounds in, in years to come in England. And I hope it's not the case. But you already see that with teams like West Ham moving and, and Tottenham and, 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 and Arsenal. You know, it's going to happen more and more. Mm. Um, and I hope it's not the fact. Um, and I'm so happy that uh, Villa is in Birmingham um, and it has the ability to build their ground without you know, too many issues there. So, you know, going to the 50,000 or ultimately 60,000 configurations. Mm. Um, so, you know, hopefully that brings ticket prices down. But as we know, once ticket prices go up, they don't generally ever come back down. They never go down. Yeah, it so goes up. We're in such a golden period. I didn't want to, you know, be too negative. They were two things I noticed. Um, we'll go to some questions, mate, from people. Uh, yes. See, a couple of these are from our Aussie Villains Twitter feed, which is at Aussie Villains, capital A, capital V. Uh, Josh Donishy, chef I call him, um, or he calls it in his own name, anyway. <laughs> but I call him that now anyway. Good. Hey, Legends, when will United get their penalty Sunday? In all seriousness, serious no, sorry, seriousness, though, with Europe so close, do you think we'll sneak in? Um, I don't think. I think the way we're defending, I don't think United will get a penalty on, on Sunday. Um, and in all seriousness, do you think we'll get into Europe? I actually do. I think we'll be in the conference, Europa conference, um, and I'd be stoked to be there. So I'll hand that one over to you, mate. Thanks for the question, Josh. Cheers, Josh. We're candidates for Europe. Um, I, mean, I, I just can't help it. Every time every speaks, I'm stealing these words. Um, we're candidates for Europe, 100%. The form that we're in, in my opinion, I think that we will get a European place. Um, what European place that is, I don't know. And I also don't care. If we get to Europe, it's wonderful news for the club. It's going to be great for those supporters who are over there um, to be able to get to watch Villa in Europe again. Um, we had a rich history in Europe and I'd like to see that come back again. Um, you, so, will see it come back. you will see it come back again. It's just when. Yeah, and so... Um, yeah, I don't think. Oh, so the penalty question. I don't. I'm like you, Paul. I I can't see where there's going to be a penalty because at the moment Manchester United don't look like they're running teams over too much, do they? They. I mean, um, they they've been winning. They've had, games. A good, they've had a good. They've had a good season. They've had a really good season, but um, we've also we've also beat them as well this season. So we are capable. Um, I think circumstances are a little bit different for them. I think they've got a bunch of injuries. And um, so have we. So, I mean, we're playing it's a close. Hit, to... It's a, you know, we'll come into this game. I think it's an, another free hit for us. The pressure will be on them. It's um, on them, one hundred percent. They want to. They want to finish the Champions League spaces. All the pressure's on them. Um, Emery will know that, and he'll and he will um, get a plan ready for the players to play on Sunday and and give them a good game. Um, and. I wouldn't put it past us to win either, you know? Yeah. Look, isn't it weird to be going to Old Trafford and going, you know what? Even if we get a draw, I might be slightly disappointed. 
Isn't that a beautiful thing to think? It's a beautiful... Hey, is... I am not saying I would be disappointed if we got a draw at Old Trafford. I would be saying there is a part of me would go, we can take them. So I, I think it's great if we're going to be disappointed if we don't get three points. That, that's what we should be. We should be aiming as high. And Manchester United, I don't think at the moment, uh, any better than us, if, if, if at all. Right not, now, not based on our, our form since since um, after World Cup, they're not. I know they've got games in hand over us, but but you know this is where United's at. They've scored the same amount of goals as us at the moment. That's and you know you should be where you deserve to be, and we we are where we deserve to be at the moment. Um, based on the games played, we can only play the games that are in front of us. We can't do nothing else about that. Well, can we go backwards and test? With Newcastle's defeat of Tottenham, and it could have been 10 nil, what a win it was by us for Newcastle to turn that around within a week. I don't know what it was. Maybe Newcastle came and, and were trying to be a bit disrespectful. Um, <laughs> with respect to, I, I know you, uh, our mate that John came on, wasn't it, John? Um, yeah. That came on and spoke to us. I, You know, we played really, really well that, that match. Really, really well. Um, and everyone says, oh, you know, Newcastle, that's really unlike them. It was unlike them, but maybe they didn't expect us to come out and do what we did. And we played a really good tactical game against them. And we were we were the best throughout the whole of the match, no doubt. So they would have realised that, oh, my God, we can't take things for granted, being up there in the high, in the high threes and fours and, and whatever not. And then they just took it out on Spurs. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I, know, I know teams have got games in hand against us, right? But with over 30 games into the season, we've only got five games left. Mm. And we're ahead of Liverpool. Yes, they can catch us, but they're still behind us right now. We're ahead of Tottenham, Brighton, uh, Brighton Fulham and Chelsea. Mm. Considering where they were flying at the start of the year, it's unbelievable. There I is can't see Chelsea catching City. us. At the, right now, mate, there is only Arsenal, City, Newcastle and United ahead of us. That is cool. it. That's crazy. As we speak, as we sit here and talk, oh man, I, it's look, exciting, I isn't it? Like um, <laughs> I, I go to bed and I woke up this morning, um, excited. Like I'm gonna be pumped all week until Sunday, um, and then hopefully I can get pumped again because we're gonna we're gonna get a result. But I was be I've just been excited every single day. I can go to work and I'm talking to to some of my um, cope the expats and stuff and they're like guys you guys are in a good run I'm like yeah we are yeah, <laughs> people, people didn't even know who Villa were were coming up and, and talking now tomorrow morning mate uh, we've got a couple other questions but tomorrow morning Tottenham play Man United and people mm. are talking about permutations and so forth well United's got three games in hand and five points on us I think the best result for us if we want to get into the conference or um, uh, even into Europa League, the best result for us tomorrow would be that Man United do over Tottenham. Yeah. Tottenham's yeah. got a game in hand. Um, United's got three games in hand. We're not going to catch United, even if we beat them on Sunday night. I don't believe we're going to catch United because if just those two games in hand is huge as well, they've got three in hand at the moment. We want to make Europe put some gap on the teams below us. And, and I, I think the result tomorrow, the best result for us would be that United beat Tottenham. Oh. Yeah, I mean, how, we're only five points behind Man United, We're only right? five points behind, but still, 
they still got two games beyond that. I mean, I'd, I'd probably I want to make Europe. Happy. I really want to make Europe. Me too, but I'd be more happy if they could get. If I'd be, I'd probably be more happy if they drew. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, they'd be on sixty points with still two games, and Tottenham would go ahead of us on goal difference with a draw. Um, so I'm looking at just putting some distance behind with teams behind us. So Brighton's got three games in hand, but they still have to make up five points. Um, yeah, and they lost again. They lost this morning, didn't they? Yes. Brighton. They've yeah. still got three games in hand, though. And still all... three? Yep. Gee. But yep. they're going to have to play those games in like, yeah. quick succession, Real quick right? succession. That's exactly right. Um, Liverpool were a point behind us with a game in hand, but still have to do the business. So I am I hear what you're saying, and a lot of people will, will be in your vote saying, hey, but if there's a draw, then we can still catch United. But I'm looking at realistically, uh, I think if we're going to make Europe, we're probably going to come sixth or seventh. That's just my opinion, and I want Tottenham out of the picture. Yeah, I'm just trying to be a bit more optimistic about where we are. I know they've got games in hand, but you know, like if we beat them on Sunday, it dents their confidence, doesn't it? It really dents their confidence a bit, and and puts us on the high. So, uh, yeah, I wish. Where's my alarm? Because yeah, I'm. Well, would, they've got I, they've got us. Then yeah. they've got Brighton, then they've got West Ham, then they've got Wolves, then they've got Bournemouth, then they've got Chelsea, then they've got Fulham. So West Ham, well, they'll, I could see them beating West Ham. And um, Wolves are, have been a quite a tough team to beat recently, haven't they? That... They're playing in Red Old Trafford, yeah. Yeah, so they've, you know, they've been picking up a few results under the new, uh, their new coach, Lopetegui, or whatever it is. I'm going to go for a Spurs... Spurs United, I want them to. I'd prefer them to draw. I like it. I like it, guys. Listening to the podcast, put up. Oh, it'll be too late by the time you are. Done. <laughs> but, all right, look, I, we've both got good rationale there. You're saying keep it nice and tight, and we're still a chance to catch them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going from the the point of view of I want to make Europe. Um, doesn't matter which part of Europe it is. You're aiming high, and I love it. I'm aiming for <laughs> let's put some teams out of contention. Yeah, uh, get us a bit of space. I like it. I like it. I, like because at the moment Chelsea are in big trouble, you know. Um, but Spurs, phew, like they're not good at the moment, are they? You know, Harry Kane keeps scoring goals, but defensively they're all over the shop. Um, I just look like a team that's just, um, you know, now that uh, Champions Leagues um, are going to be out of the picture for them realistically, they look like a team who's just going, oh, what are we doing next season? That's what it honestly looks like. Be interesting to see what uh, Ryan Mason can do with those players because a lot of them look void of any confidence. I, um, there's not too many in that squad that I would take it in the Villa team right now. And that I did that the other day. I went through and had a look. None um, of their defence. None of them. No. So Ben, which is uh, Barp seventeen seventeen. Thanks, Ben. He put dream signing for this summer in brackets realistic. Well, I, I I'm going to use a word that's not calling you a moron. But it's an oxymoron there because you're asking for a dream signing, but it needs to be realistic. <laughs> this is a good call, though. His would be uh, Goncalves from Sporting Lisbon, which I like. Um, mm. Did you have time? Did you have uh, the ability to have a look at that question, mate? Did you see that question earlier? Or is it- no, I haven't had a look at any of the questions. Um, I was on the road, actually. So. Uh, okay, well, I, I'm going to come in and, and I had a bit of a look. And uh, Molina, from, uh, he's a uh, right midfielder for Atletico Madrid. He's yeah. a 25-year-old Argentinian. So what I did is I was having a look through, you know, potentially he would be a fair bit of money. 
but he's an attacking right midfielder. He um, is an Argentinian, so he's mm-hmm. connected to a lot of the boys who are at the club already. Mm-hmm. And and they've already been talking about bringing more South Americans into the team. Mm-hmm. So when I had a look, a dream signing for me would be, you know, he's 25, which is a perfect age to learn a system and, and, and you know, be a mainstay of a club. Uh, so it's Nahol Molina from Atletico Madrid would be my dream signing. Um, mine's He's getting still... realistic, you see. Yeah, mine's is still going to be um, the um, Argentinian uh, midfielder. Um, is it Depaul? Yes, it is. Yeah, good call. That's. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's yeah. Yeah, he's the bomb. We'll grab those, mate. We'll grab those. And also, did you watch did you watch that um Premier League interview with Martinez and Ian Wright? Oh, that was so good. That and was so he's good. Like, he's saying, Oh, I want to get more I want to get more um Argentinian players to come to Villa because I'm yeah, really proud to play at Villa. So DePaul, bring him. Get him bring in. Both. Let's get Molina as well. We might as well. Agent, um, Martin- Agent Martinez, how do you like it? I do love it. And it was a really good question, Ben. Thank you so much. Cheers, Ben. Appreciate it. Uh, Smithy1874, absolute regular. He asks us, one, one he asked us in our group chat the other day, which Ashley Young is better, 20, uh, 2007 to 2011 or our present one? from 2007 to 11. Mm. Yeah. Is, that what you're, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm going now. Because, really? because he's happy and he's a leader and he's teaching. Yes, he played better football in that period, but he's better for us right now. What he's bringing to the club, I mean, he's going to go into a coaching role. I mean, this is this is where he's matured. I mean, he's come matured. He's mature now. He's had a lot of experience. He's been a winner um, ever since he's left Villa. He's been a winner wherever he's been. Where did he go? Man United for years and then um, Inter Milan. You know. Yeah. Doing doing great things over there, gained a lot of experience. Was brave enough to go to uh, a club in Europe, which a lot of um, English players are frightened to do, right, because of language and all these sorts of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's come back to Villa, where you know there was ta- you know Watford were trying to poke around at the time to try and see if they can get him, but he came back to Villa. He's using all of experience. He's helping the youngsters. He's really good for morale in the squad. Um, but if you're asking me who's um, I'd have to go with playing and um, under the Martin O'Neill years, I thought he was fantastic. I yeah. really enjoyed watching him all the time. Totally respect that opinion, but I'm going with what he's doing for us now. How happy he is. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm going right now for what he's doing, giving mm. to um, and he's doing a great job. Yeah, I'm not saying, yeah, he's doing a great I, job too. I, yeah, I, yeah. I totally hear where you're coming from as well. Um, Omar Haji, who's, uh, this is through our... Um, podcast group and he has asked given Emery's success with what is fundamentally Dean Smith's team and the individual improvement he's made with each and every player in the squad which of Steven Gerrard's released players do you think would have benefited uh, benefited from Unai's influence personally would have loved to have seen how uh, Al Ghazi would have gone under the Emery regime it's always great questions from you Omar you really think about it um, I look I I, my, I personally, I think my best example is Traore, who, you know, basically was put out on loan. No one thought he was coming back. Mm. He's playing with a smile on his face. He's yeah. doing his role. Um, he gave away a yellow card against Fulham, but it was a really smart yellow card at the time to slow mm-hmm. down the play. And 
I think he's the best example that I think anyone um, who was released would have been a better player. Um, you could imagine even um, the spud who went off to Newcastle um, would have played. <laughs> Sorry, different spud. Um, but, you know, you know, target anyone released would, would be a much better player under Emery. Um, so, you know. Do you know who I, mine would be? I'd like to know. And um, who was it that asked the question? Sorry again. Ah, Omar. Omar. And I'll probably get slammed for this, but I don't care. Nakamba would have been improved I, under Emery. I, I, I can't see why you'd be slammed for that. I, I look at Konza as that same kind of example of someone who wasn't always great on the ball, right? I think Nakamba would have got the confidence through the drills, the everyday, mm. the knowing his role. I think that's a wonderful call. I, I have I can't see why you'd be slammed for that, mate. Yeah, I feel like Nakamba because, you know, for whatever reason, um he wouldn't he wasn't getting games. He 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 saved Jared a little bit when he came in. You know, like I felt yeah. like he went through a purple patch where it was like, Oh my god, who is this guy? Like where's he He's come marvelous. from? You know? And then the following season he was he was dropped, right? And it's like gonna have a proper preseason and it was like, Don't want you at the club anymore, can't use you. Um, I'm getting Kamara in and he's yeah. gonna do this job alongside um Dougie or alongside McGinn um at the time. Cause um I saw something, I think like half the people that are playing every single game were on the bench for the first match against Bournemouth or something like that. Anyway, um but I think that Emery would be able to get get Nakamba to do the kind of things that Dendonka has been doing since he's been playing, you know, and he's defensive minded. He would have been coaching him on how to improve his game. And so, yeah, I, I would, um, I'd go with uh, Nakamba. I think Nakamba would be a player who could really progress or be better under someone like um, Emery. Yeah, a uh, really good question as well. Guys, we really, really love the questions you pose. Continue to put them up. Um, I just want to say thank you once again to everyone who also, um, you know, as I said, thank you, uh, thanked me or gave the best wishes to my wife and I going forward. So it's really nice to be able to say wife. Now, yeah. we won't good questions, talk, eh? Good, really good questions. We're always considered good questions. And we, and look, the podcast is always richer for them and we want it to always be a part of the show. Yeah. Um, so also before we just do a quick our quick scores for the United game, which is Sunday night for us, mate, with a public holiday on Monday. Yes, so Lovely. sweet. Lovely. I'm going to be watching from a caravan. So we're going to buy we're going to buy like a, a camper van. Yeah. Um, on the weekend, so we're picking it up on Saturday, on Sunday morning, and then we're going to spend the night on the way home because it's like a four hour drive from where we are, going towards like Gleninus. So we're going to spend oh. the night Sunday night in the van and then come back on the Monday for the public holiday. So um, I'll take my laptop with me so I can watch it in, in the camper van. Yep. 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 I love it. I love it. Let's hope you've got good signal there as well, mate. Um, now um, we play United at Old Trafford chance to do the double over United, which would be absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. We're going to, we're going to get it. We're going to go behind in this game, mate. We're going to win two, one. Mm. We're going to uh, go George. behind, which is going to kind of flatten us a little bit because we're going to be out playing United. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and they will slide a ball through that's just going to catch us off for the first time in a long time. We're going to go behind, um, but we're going to win 2-1. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it will be Watkins back on the board, um, extending an away streak that is unbelievable. And Louise, who had another fabulous game, he is going to shoot from the edge of the box. It'll be a nice low shot. Um, and we're going to win 2-1 at Old Trafford. Yeah, um... I mean, I think we're going to... I, I'm, I don't know why, but I've just been feeling that we can beat Man United the way that we've been playing. We've been... last couple of games, we've scrapped through these through these games. You know, we haven't been overrunning all these teams since Newcastle, but, you know, I feel like... I don't know, for some reason, I felt like they were conserving some sort of energy at, at times during the game against Fulham, um, knowing that they got the big one. I mean, to beat Man United is, is, is going to be a very, very big deal. It's going to be a very, very important result um, to take six points away from Man United. So I do think we're going to win. Um, I think we're going to get a penalty at Old Trafford. I think we're going to get a. I think we're going to win. Maybe it's going to have to be the clearest penalty ever. It's going to have to be really, really clear where VAR cannot overturn it. Yeah, it's going to be like Harry Maguire or Lindelof or someone like that who's going to like, pull down or, like, nastily foul Wendia in the box. And oh, like and, like and then and then Watkins will score a penalty. And um, I think a set piece as well um, from, from a corner. I think um, we grab a goal as well. Be nice if Luca Dean came on as a sub in the 85th minute and scored a free kick, wouldn't it? Oh. <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. So, oh, that would be lovely. 2-0. I'll go 2-0. I think I think I think defensively we're really good. I think we're defensively we're currently better than Man United. I'm going for a 2-0 win at Old Trafford to Aston Villa. The scorers will be Ollie Watkins and Luca Dean. Now, I like that, Luca Dean. Now, I better put in a prediction about Watkins' goal. Yeah, it's given us a good. We've been on a good run since we've done this. So Watkins is actually going to go to shoot with the. Okay, so he's got a defender coming towards him, right? He goes to shoot with his right. It gets blocked. He moves back onto his left. The flex of Maguire's. Yeah, the back. Yeah, off his backside. (laughs) Off his backside and in. So it's given us a goal. And it is a Watkins goal, but it gets overturned midweek and it's an own goal because Maguire's bum is that big. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But we'll be I a Watkins goal. I listeners must love the way your predictions go because I certainly do. Well, they never happen, right? But we get results. So, mm. so people are going to get paid out by all the sports uh, markets for a Watkins goal. But midweek it gets overturned. They've already got their money. It's all good. It's done. Mm. Love it. Um, mate, um, Rhino feeling a bit ill. There's a lot of illness going around uh, at the moment, so we hope he's feeling better. Spud yeah. is working his absolute butt off with his young family. He's working tonight. He's getting ready for a big shift tomorrow morning as well. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they're back and we might do a weekend one and you may not be on that one. Um, that's why we love having the four of us there. Yeah. Um, 
Guys, please continue to give feedback through Apple, through Spotify, through Google, Anchor, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We would love your feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, any of your feedback that is constructive and has some good stuff for us to do, we will take on. Um, and and secondly, it helps us get our reach out there. We don't get paid for this. We're not looking to, but we do want to get our voice out there. So um, I just want to say thank you as well. We had a couple of people um, throughout the week um, when people were asking about podcast listen. So I know I put my hand up for someone, but other people put our name in as well. So that's really lovely. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, hopefully... Hopefully we give you a little bit of a different kind of voice and, and feel from the other side of the world and we're up late at night or up early in the morning and we are there absolutely with you. We're, yeah. We're um, also, be, do you know what would be really interesting is that, you know, because we did a podcast together, it'd be interesting to see um, if anyone who listens to the podcast could maybe send send a tweet to Aussie Villains and let us know if you'd like to take part in a Twitter spaces or something. So that yes. way we can actually get to talk to you in person um, and discuss Aston Villa and have, have a good old chin wag, you know, set up a bit of spaces, uh, a spaces for, you know, maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes where we can actually get involved with you and have conversations yeah. with you and get your thoughts. So maybe if you are listening, send us a, a link, a message to Aussie villains. Um, Paul will give you the handle and let us know your thoughts on that. So we can maybe set something up so that we can actually, in person interact with you as well yeah we'd love to do that and that's how tess and i actually met through uh twitter spaces so um it can change your life yeah and also um just big shouts out to there are people from other podcasts who actually gave us a mention paul um so there's the um for the love of paul mcgrath podcast they do a team sheet tantrum um (laughs) before before um every game and um, yeah, they gave us a name check for our podcast and said, you know, it's a, it a good listening and and that we're doing a good job and stuff. So, wow. uh, big shout, big shouts I, out to those guys. I did not know that. Um, one of my favourite podcasts in the world. So um, that to get that reciprocated is absolutely lovely. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, we're all about promoting any other podcasts or any other pages or anything like that. We're all villains. Um, we do this because we love talking about it and we don't want to drive our, our wives, partners and kids crazy. Yeah. Guys, this, this has been Up the Villa, the Aussie Villa podcast. We're going to beat United and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Up the Villa. Up the Villa. Mate, I felt a little bit all over the place tonight. Do apologise. Do you know what? It was just nice. Well, thanks for joining us for another Up the Villa, Aussie Villains podcast. You can get us on Twitter at... Aussie Villains, capital A, capital V. Get us at Australian Fans of Aston Villa on Facebook and in our Facebook group as well. We'd love to have you there. That's where we pose the questions and get you to pose the questions to us. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Hey, if you don't mind, if you could rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, whoever you listen to us, that would really help us get out there as well. Thank you so much, Villa family. Don't speaking out, now we slow click,